All right. We are in Genesis 15. Last time we, we covered verses 1 through 6. And if you remember, this is all on the heels of World War Zero. Remember? Um, and Abraham rescuing Lot and rescuing the people of Sodom. And then we had Melchizedek, remember? The, the, the king priest of Salem um, that came out and Abram offered a, a tenth um, to him. Um, and then we also saw... Uh, Abraham refusing the spoils of war from the king of Sodom uh, and demonstrating his faith that God would provide for him an inheritance. Um, and then it was after all this that God came to Abraham, remember? And God spoke to Abraham. Uh, and you know, we see this in verses 1 through 6. The Lord told him, you know, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Um, and so God's trying to encourage Abram that he is still there. He is still with him. The, the promise that he has given to Abram shall be fulfilled. Um, and yet Abram is struggling because he doesn't have a child, right? You know, he's like, you know, well... Eliza, my servant, is my heir right now. Is that how this is going to go down? And, and God speaks to Abram again. He says, you know, behold, um, he says, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then he brings him out. He says, look, at, look towards the heaven, look at the stars. Number them if you can. So shall your offspring be. And then we ended in verse 6, where it says, And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And, and so we kind of left off there, and we kind of talked about how it, it, it's not through our works that we are counted righteous, but it is through our faith in Christ. Um, and Abram is also counted righteous through his faith. Does that make sense? So we'll pick it up from there, starting in verse 7. It says, And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. 
But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good, in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. All right, so there's a lot there, right? Um, but it's but it's all kind of one piece. Uh, so let's let's try to break this down. Uh, the first thing we see is we we see God speaking to to Abram, and he he, he says, "I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur." of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. Now, this language brought you out. Do, do you recognize this language from anywhere else in Scripture? Is there any other times where you see God bringing someone out? Egypt. Egypt, right? Um, yeah, this is pretty much the same exact wording that we see in Exodus. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a covenant language. Uh, you know, Exodus 20, right? When God gives the Ten Commandments, um, God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Um, and here we see also, and so we, we, we see the, the covenant of the law being set, the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant being set in Exodus 22. And here we're, we're, uh, God is establishing the Abrahamic covenant. Um, if that makes sense. In our, in our men's Bible study, we've been talking about covenants. And, um, and so we see these different covenants throughout Scripture. And so this is covenant language that God is using with Abram right here. Um, and what, what, is, what does Abram ask God next? Verse 8. Yeah. How, you know, he, he's, he just promised you, I'm going to give you this land to possess. And Abram's like, well, how am I to know that I'm going to possess this? Now, does this sound like a man who, who believed and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness? I mean, it's, it's kind of like he's waffling again, right? Yeah, show me proof. Um, and so, you know, earlier he's questioning about the heir, right? His son. You know, will I have a son? Now he's questioning about the land, right? And so we see two different parts of the covenant 
um, that God is going to confirm to Abram, yes, my word is true. Yes, you will possess this land. Yes, you will have an heir. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think of the, the story in the Gospel of Mark with the, the man who who had a son that was demon possessed, and uh, actually let's let's turn there. Let's look at that real quick. Turn to Mark nine. In verse 14, you know, and when they came, the disciples, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, uh, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Um, and so you, you see this reaction of the father, right? The father, he's bringing the boy. He probably wanted to see Jesus. Jesus was up on the mountain. Um, so he took him to the disciples because um, the disciples have also healed in the past. And cast out demons in the past, and and so, but they were unable to with this child. Uh, and uh, what does Jesus call the the, the generation? Faithless. Faithless, right? You know, how long am I to be with you? Um, and then even with the questioning of the father, right? Uh, it, it's it's it's. It's a strange question to ask of Jesus, you know, if you are able, right, or if you can, right? Um, and so there's, 
there's hope there, but there's also a bit of doubt going on. And, and Jesus calls this man out. You know, if you can, it's like, do you not know who I am? <laughs> um, and maybe he didn't. Uh, yet this father, I, I love the response. He, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And, and I think a lot of times that's, that's like us, isn't it? We believe, yet we have doubts as well. And, and we need to continually keep going to God. You know, I, I believe, help, help my unbelief. Have you guys ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough because, you know, it's, we, we believe in this God who is all-powerful, sovereign over all things, who is good. And yet, a lot of times we struggle with, well, can God really do this? Or does God really want to do this? And so we do have these doubts that that, that form inside us um, and that we need to bring to God. We need to repent of. Does that make sense? And, and I think this is what's going on with, with Abram, you know. He's, he's struggling with the promise of God. First he struggled with the promise of an heir. Now he's struggling with the promise of the land. Um, you know, I mean, he sees it. He, there's, there's all these other nations that are inhabiting this land. Um, and yet you promised this land to me and my offspring. How, how is that going to take place? Um, so what does God command Abram to do? Bring me some animals, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we, we see, and, and they, they all have to be three years old for some reason, right? Um, and so we, we, we see a heifer, a, a female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And what does Abram do with these animals? He cuts them in half. Now, does anybody understand what's going on here? In the prophecy, it's a, he's showing him how he's going to uh, keep his covenant with him through symbolism. Okay. Um, yeah, that's not exactly what's going on here, but that's a good guess. <laughs> this, this, is, this is strange to us. But this was not strange back then. Um, this was a cultural thing. And, and typically what this had to do was with uh, kind of vassal kings and lesser kings. Okay? And so if you... If you and so we, we just got through with a war with... What was the war over, right? Do you guys remember? It hasn't been that long, has it? <laughs> well, he was rescuing Lot, but what, what was the, the original war over? There, there was a war between kings, right? 
Um, there was Cheddar Leomer. You guys remember that guy? Um, and he was collecting dues from all his vassal states. Now, probably before this war happened, before these states were vassal states under Chedorlaomer, he probably came in there with his army and said, okay, either we can battle it out or I'm going to come here every year and you can give. Um, and what he would have done is he would have taken animals like this, he would have sawed them in half, created a pathway between them, and there would have been an agreement, a covenant that he would have made with his vassal, with the lesser king. And they would have walked between these animals as their agreement. It's kind of like signing a document today. Um, and what it was communicating is that if either one of us breaks the covenant, and so Chedorlaomer was probably like, well, here's what I'm going to do for you. I will protect you. So, you know, if Egypt ever invades, I got your back. Um, but you're going to pay me dues every year. And so whichever party would break that covenant, what they were communicating to one another is that the fate of these animals would be the fate of the person who breaks the covenant. Does that make sense? And so that's what's going on here. And so Abram, he, he cuts these animals in half. He realizes that God is going to confirm the covenant with him. Um, and so he's preparing this um, and waiting upon the Lord. Um, and he's waiting a while, right? Because what's going on after he cuts the animals? It gets dark, but before that, what was going on? Yeah, the birds of prey are coming, right? And he's got to shoo them away. And so I don't know how many hours he was out there, how hot the sun was. You know, what's he shooing them away with? You know, does he have a broom? I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but he's driving the, the birds of prey away so that uh, they won't eat up the carcasses. Um, and then the sun's starting to go down. Um, and what happens to Abram? What happens to Abram when the sun goes down? Yeah, it says a, a deep sleep fell on Abram, right? Who else got put in a deep sleep? Adam. Right? Why was Adam put in a deep sleep? Surgery, right? <laughs> Surgery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a rib removed, and God used that rib to form Eve. Um, and so God was doing a mighty work with Adam, um, a, a work that Adam really couldn't be a part of, right? Um, this, this was something that God had to do. He had to create Eve for Adam. Um, I think in a similar way, what we see going on here is God put a deep sleep on Abram because this is a covenant that, that God has to do, not Abram. Does that make sense? 
Um, when, when we talked about covenants in our men's Bible study, we talked about how there's two different types of covenants. There, there's covenants of works and covenants of grace. Um, and a covenants of works, uh, we, we see, like, the, exa- for the example that we have of a first covenant is a covenant called the Adamic covenant. Uh, it's a covenant that God made with Adam. And what do, the, what do you say to Adam, you know? You can eat of all the trees in the garden, but of the tree in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat. And so there's a law that was given to Adam. You shall not eat of this fruit. Um, and so that was a covenant. And, and the day you eat of it, what did God say? On the day you eat of it, you shall, you shall truly die. Um, and so that was the covenant between God and Adam at the beginning, um, and it was a covenant of works. It was something Adam had to do or refrain from doing. Um, but here we're seeing a covenant of grace uh, because this isn't the promise of the air, the promise of the land. It isn't something that Abram can do by himself or that Abram's got to be faithful to something or obedient to some law to obtain, God has just promised it. And so God puts Abram to sleep. And then we see, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. What, what is this dreadful and great darkness? What's that all about? What do you guys think? It seems evil, but is it evil? Who's approaching? God himself is approaching, right? And so there, there is a, a veil that he is putting over himself for Abram's sake, um, because Abram's sinful. And... And so you see uh, often in Scripture when God uh, appears in some type of theophany or manifestation that uh, there will be a veil. Like even when Moses asked to see God's glory, what did God do? He, he, he put Moses in, behind the cleft of a rock and said, you know, y- y- you can kind of see the back of my glory as I pass through. Um, and so it's like, I, I'm not giving you the full thing. You can't handle it. Um, and so this is what's going on here, this great and great darkness uh, that fell upon him. That's, that's God veiling his glory. Um, and then God speaks again to Abram once more. And so may, maybe this is in a dream. I don't know what's going on because Abram's asleep, right? Um, but somehow God's speaking to him. And he, he speaks to him of the future, right? And, and so this is all tied in with the covenant, the promise of the heirs, the promise of the land. And, and he says, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. And so what's, what's that referring to? 
time in Egypt, right? Um, and, and so God is letting Abram know how this is all going to transpire, that this promise that he has given to Abram is not going to be immediate. Um, it will happen over generations. Uh, and so Abram is having to trust God that all this will occur after his death. Think about that. Um, we know Abram will live 175 years, which is a long time, but it's not long enough, right? <laughs> um, uh, he's not going to see his descendants inherit the land the way he thinks he will. Um, but God is letting him know. Uh, what, what's interesting in, in the book of Hebrews, and, and we kind of went through Hebrews last year, and in the book, book of Hebrews, it, it talks about uh, people of faith, right? In chapter 11. Um, and it talks about Abram, and it, it talks uh, quite a bit about Abram, um, or Abraham. Um, so, so, for example, Hebrews 11, verse 13, um, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Um, and, and so we, we see kind of this concept of, I have the promises of God, but they're afar. I don't quite see them, um, yet I'm trusting God for them. Does that make sense? How are we similar to Abram, Abraham in that respect? Are there promises that are afar to us today? For sure. Yeah? Like what? Revelation. Okay, Revelation. So, like, you, you get to the end of Revelation specifically, and you see the new heavens and the new earth, right? right. And, and so there's our promised inheritance, uh, being in the kingdom of God, having God dwell uh, with us, um, and it, it, we're, we're kind of there, right? Because we have Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, um, but we're not quite fully there because we're still in the midst of a, a fallen creation. We're still in our fallen bodies, and, and so. We're, it's kind of like we, we got our foot in the door, but we haven't quite stepped fully in yet, or God hasn't dragged us fully in yet. Um, and, and so th this is the life of a believer. Um, it's a life of faith. And so this is what God is doing with Abram right here is he's, let me, let me show you how this is all going to go down. And oh, by the way, you're not going to see it but I'm asking you to believe it. That's what he asks of us, too. Um, uh, we, we see a little further. Um, he, he does 
offer this solace to to Abram, verse 15, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And so he, he promised Abram, your life will be blessed and, and you, you will be buried with your fathers at, at a good old age. And so you'll, you'll live. You know, I'm not going to take you away tomorrow. Um, and, and then he talks about the people coming back, right? And they should come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, who are the Amorites? <laughs> Anybody know? Yeah, so they're people who are currently living in the land. Um, you know, they're... They're the actually his neighbors, right? Um, and, and so he, God says that their iniquity is not yet complete. What does that mean? He foresees their sin. He foresees their sin. Okay. No, the Babylonians would have been in a different region. Um, uh, the, these are people within the land of Canaan that he's referring to. Um, Does that have anything to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, somewhat. I mean, he will take care of Sodom and Gomorrah for sure. Um, and, and they're a part of it. Um, but but this is referring more to 400 years, right? Um, and so before I let your offspring take possession of this land, their iniquity uh, is not yet complete. <laughs> and, and so basically what, what he's saying to Abram is, I cannot justly take these people out of this land yet. They have not done enough evil for me to justify that. Yet that evil is coming. Um, and so God is, you know, God's timing is never our timing, right? <laughs> um, and so it's going to take 400 years for the iniquity to fill up of the people of this land for God to justify, I'm removing them. They have become... The land is going to spit them out, so you can take it. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to, so when he says the Amorites, it's implied that it also refers to the rest of the uh, people. Yeah, because he mentions the others a little bit later on, the, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and Perizzites. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> those are always my favorite, the Perizzites. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so we, we see this, and so God is communicating this to Abram, so he understands what's going to go down. Um, and then uh, verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking, pot, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So what's that all about? 
So remember, we've got the animals cut in half. They're cutting a covenant, right? Ever heard that term, to cut a covenant? That's where it comes from. So, My mind keeps going back to, this is probably not right mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in Egypt, when he brings them out of Egypt and he divides the Red Sea. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you, you see kind of a, a passageway through there. Um, a lot of people will refer to, uh, kind of point towards that. That is symbolic of baptism. Um, but we also see judgment there as the, the Jews are able to pass through, the Egyptians are not. Um, well, similar to that, uh, you know, they were led by uh, what, a pillar of pillar smoke. smoke and, uh, you know, and fire. And well. fire, Is yeah. Smoke by day, fire by night. Okay. Right? And so this is very similar. And so this is God manifesting himself in in a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. And so, you know, perhaps the spirit of God was invisible and he was holding these things. I don't know. Um, But either way, what we see there is... God is walking the path, right? He is making the covenant, and he is, he is making a promise. You know, a lot of times we, we make promises on certain things, right? You know, uh, I promise on my mother's grave or, you know, different things like that. Well, who can God make a promise by? By himself, right? I mean, there's nothing higher than him. And so he, he is making a promise to Abram, he is cut, cutting a covenant with him. And so we see God passing through the animals. It says, that, verse 18, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the, Ken- the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And so we see God is making this covenant with Abram, and yet he is the only one passing through because this is a covenant of grace and not works. Does that make sense? Um, Abram's asleep, (laughs) in a deep sleep. And we are way past time, so... We will end there today, but, but just think about this as you go out throughout the week. Remind yourself, um, in fact, I know R.C. Sproul said that Genesis fifteen seventeen is one of his favorite verses. Um, and the reason he said that is because it, it highlights the fact that we are under a covenant of grace and not a covenant of works. Let's, well, before we pray, any questions that people might have regarding this? Just to make sure that what followed after, uh, after Abraham, or Abram, rather, uh, asked his question, it didn't, the sacrifices weren't needed because of his doubt, right? That one thing didn't happen. The, these weren't sacrifices. Or, uh, okay. 
Yeah, this was a covenant. On a covenant. Okay. Yeah. And that wasn't because of its doubt. Well, I mean, it, it, was, it was kind of because of his doubt. God was making it clear to Abram, I am good with my word. If not, I will be like these animals. Yeah. It's a good question. Anyone else? All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who who makes covenants with us. Uh, by your grace, you, you have shown us that uh, you are good to fulfill your promises. Um, and your promises are great. The promises we have in Jesus are, are vast and immense and, and so good to us. Uh, and so, Lord, help us to trust in you, like, like the, the father who, who cried out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh, that's, that's how we are. We pray that you would help us to repent of any unbelief that we have and help us to believe. Because your promises are true and you are faithful to fulfill each and every one of them. We praise you. We thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.